You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe, Vince, and Marty. Ha Oh! Whoa! Hey there! Kind of like being Facebook official. It was official when I said, and Marty. <laughs> it's true. I mean, you should have had the intro joined by Joe, Vince, and or Marty. <laughs> there may be two or three of us here. All right. Hello. Welcome to For the Lord. This is Roger coming to you on Monday, the 16th of October. And we're all here, which is going to be nice whenever that happens, because I don't think it will be very often. <laughs> Obviously, we need to jump right into Destiny 2, because that is still the game that we are, well, three of us playing the most and the iron banner event is wrapping up tonight. Where are you at on that right now, Vince? I didn't touch it. Like really? I, I, I was not that into iron banner the first time around and destiny two's PVP is just not terribly interesting to me to begin with. And I'm going to spend extra time in it. So I just passed. What about you, Marty? I'm six out of 10 and uh, I've got about, I don't know. Uh, one challenge left. I think I'm gonna pull it off and uh, get the get the last milestone tonight. The only reason why I worked up, well, a couple of reasons why, like I was off a couple two and a half days from work last week, and so that just gave me time to sit down and kind of go through that. And then I found a couple of sites where there were some um, some interesting information in terms of what kind of build to use, but also like which guns are the best there's a site where you can go that has all of the rankings so i was checking the top players to see what they were using and then i tried those myself and sure enough they were fucking right you know it makes a big difference when you have the proper weapons for it and then the other reason i wanted to do some of it wasn't the gear because i think it's fucking hideous myself definitely not the shaders and speaking of which there's not a fucking room in your vault for all the shaders fix that shit bunch <laughs> but there were a few weapons that actually weren't bad and they were exclusive to the iron banner event and that one which you mentioned <laughs> i don't know if that was a jab at me marty when i was listening to your feature that we'll play later <laughs> but the time worn um spire gun is actually really amazing in pvp and fuck you it is actually better than the might okay i've got so, both i've been using both and it actually is better i it was the it was the only gun i could think of when i was recording the <laughs> so like that and the graviton lance were the only guns i could think of i do not like pulse rifles just not my gun but that's a thing it doesn't feel like that you'll have to try it if you're lucky enough to get it because it has a very distinct uh feel to it is that the one with the five round burst yeah and it's it's actually better in every conceivable way than the one that we got as a reward from dead orbit for the faction rally so it's it's just better in every way and so when when i tried it out it was like holy shit yeah, what I heard was was right. It is a phenomenal gun for in there, and you just mow through guardians. So fun times. And then once you do them enough, again, you kind of get in a rhythm. And I of course lost some, and I, I only a couple of times did I score at the top. Most of the time I was in the middle, but I it got to the point where I wasn't on the bottom anymore, and I was doing well enough. And you figure out again, you're, you're building, and it was going really well. 
And then I wanted to do it as well to get the um, the engrams for the milestones for the week. So it kind yeah. of helped because I was just knocking out all the crucible stuff with with all three of my characters. And I did wind up actually getting some really nice gear from it. And so I actually finished the season one. So I got as a reward, I think it's as a reward for finishing season one, or maybe it was just a lucky roll, but you get the, um, the, uh, emblem and, yeah. uh, that has that nice black to kind of looks like ember fire embers with the wolf head on one side. And it actually looks really freaking good. I, I've got it equipped. I love it. I think it looks great. I, I need it. Um, like I've been, I've been playing Iron Banner even when the light level, when light level was activated, so that your power mattered yeah. in that, which sucked. But I love it. I can't stop. Uh, so I'm looking forward to getting on tonight and seeing if I can actually finish and get that emblem because I, I feel like I really need to. I worked my ass off to do that PvP uh, in Destiny One, and I need to, you know keep the twitch up as best i can yeah as long as you can get into a decent winning streak you don't have to win each one but try to win the majority of them kind of deal then you should be able to knock out those last four easy tonight oh i think so so yeah but uh but no definitely it i noticed the changes that they talked about that they were implementing for destiny 2 and for the iron banner event as well uh, as i was i was playing through it and i liked it actually again surprising myself because i was expecting a few things that i'd be like on the fence about or be like no this is stupid but overall again once you get into the rhythm of it i i was having fun at points which was surprising for me in in crucible so so yeah it was good times uh, and what's next? Do we know what's coming up next? Is it going to be the DLC or they actually have something planned before then? So the big rumor is that the next thing will be the DLC, but there's also talk possibly of the return of Sparrow Racing in Destiny 2 uh, before the holidays. That shit better I- fucking come back, <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> This is not my, that was not my jam, but I could not stop doing it either because I wanted... Well, there's no accounting for taste. Well, well the mean, thing I'm, too now is that those sparrows all have different effects and whatnot too that you can use to your advantage. Those are the ones eh, that, that bank better. That's the sure, one that, And then there are the ones that are faster too. It, I think, right? Like in order to make it fair, you'd have to normalize it. Why? That, that'd because be the whole drive towards people I could, then... I could tell you exactly why. Well, I wasn't finished my sentence, but how about you tell us why? (laughs) Because Sparrow's from Bright Engrams? Yes. So? It becomes a pay-to-win scenario? It's not pay-to-win, though. You get them every level. Every level, you get an Engram, a Bright Engram. And there's... I've gotten almost all of my Sparrows... For motherfucker, let me finish at least one sentence. I've gotten damn near Mm -hmm. all of my Sparrows from from those Bright Engrams. So everybody's going to have that opportunity as well. Right, but it's one of those things where if Sparrow Racing is a limited period of time and you have a choice of leveling up or or grinding to get those and maybe not getting them or maybe I just throw 10, 15, 20 bucks at it and, you know, maybe I'll get one of the good Sparrows. That's one of those weird scenarios. The only way that they could still save face as far as I'm concerned, because this is something I know they've been battling with as far as PR goes, is... 
if they had sparrow racing where everything was normalized like it just was a skin essentially well, you, you could have the best of both worlds where any like external sparrow from bright engrams or whatever is normalized but then you can have like customized and tuned sparrows from the sparrow racing league vendor when you turn in your tokens so you can have the best of both worlds you can have the stock it doesn't matter if it's a, an exotic or you know a crappy the crappy sure. blue you started with those are all the same and then you can have spare actual racing sparrows that give you additional benefits in the i'd race. be okay with i would be okay with that i would honestly be okay with that okay before i say anything because i have an opinion <laughs> marty and vince let's start with you marty are you? Do you have a bunch of sparrows now that you have gotten through those engrams, or do you only have a few still? I have four, maybe five tops. Um, what about you, Vince? Uh, I've turned at least a half dozen of them into dust. So. Yeah, exactly. I think, Marty, you've just been more unlucky because I've got a crap load of, of them. I've got, like, a bunch of them. So as I'm just... From somebody who's actively playing now and seeing the the average rate, one would presume, of when you're getting them. And it's not that you're necessarily grinding for those engrams. You're you're anything you're doing is leveling you up to help you towards those engrams, the bright ones. So it's not like there's there's going to be people that it's a pay or or play kind of thing. Certainly, yeah, if you pay up, you'll have a higher chance of getting them right away but if the sparrow races don't come right away anyway then there's going to be plenty of time for people to have leveled and, and gotten them because again it's every level you're getting those engrams and i've got a crap load of sparrows so and i kind of like the idea of not not it not being normalized but just try out different things like the one that banks better like the one that is an instant mount like the you know in case you get dismounted or any number of things there's there's some really cool things that you could do i've got the jousting sparrow let me spear some motherfuckers (laughs) (laughs) i need that sparrow so bad that's what i want it's amazing i love it i need it i have the one that it's it's instant and that yeah. tends to be the one that, even though it's only 150 miles per hour versus 160, that's still the one that I tend to put on each of my characters as I'm I'm playing, just because it's so fucking handy, and and, and I love it. Yeah, my little Titan that I'm still leveling has my it's like a white, you know, white quality engram sparrow that I just threw that way. I haven't gotten anything new with that one, but you know. Meh. The other I'll, thing, I'll get it eventually. before we move on from there, because Marty, I'm sure you have some other things to say, Joe, just to let you know as well, and you might feel a little bit better about this too, is that one of the other things that you get from opening up those, those bright engrams all the time is you actually get some of the currency that you use at that shop. And so you can actually buy some of these things with actual their in-game currency versus actually spending money as well. So people will have the option if they choose and if the sparrow is available at that time to also just buy with that in-game currency. Sure. And and that's something that I've been, even though I'm not playing yet because it's still at the time of this recording, slightly more than seven days away. God damn it. Um, <laughs> it I've been keeping track, right? Oh, no, how, how many hours and minutes? Countdown or anything like that. No, it's, it's, it's one of those weird things where I've been watching a lot of people talk about it and a lot of people are having 
really good luck and a lot of people are having really bad luck. There's right. like a really weird distribution. And so which isn't like, surprising overall. I mean, it's kind of what you see. It, it it is though because they've had time to learn from all of the other companies that have put loot boxes or even even within their own Activision wheelhouse, right? You they could talk to their partners across the hall so to speak and say, "Hey, what did you guys do to fix loot boxes?" And <laughs> that would imply that uh, Overwatch loot boxes are fixed. <laughs> <laughs> they would just get a guy staring through the door and do that like dog head tilt. <laughs> I thought oh, you, you want to fix it. You want to go talk to the hot guys, right? Because th- th- that actually works. Yeah, I will give you that though. That's true. But they have they have catch up things in there. They have little things behind the scenes that like if you haven't gotten X in so many loot boxes, you have a higher chance of getting it. Like they have they have things behind the scenes that sort of help manipulate the RNG to never really change the spikes from being spikes, but to level out those valleys from being valleys. And I like, I would love to have seen something like that go in there because there's people that have luck like Marty. Hi, I'm one of those people. And then there's people like Vince who is a horrible human being in all these video games yet somehow gets magically all the cool shit. Like it just, that's how it works. So I, I would have liked to see someone think it's not coincidence after a point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd like the to game's see afraid look- of him. <laughs> <laughs> Just give him all the sparrows he wants. Me. Maybe he won't kill us. But I would like to see them take a, a closer look at that too, and, and kind of balance things out just a little bit, or at least mention that they are, and, and maybe do something behind the scenes. That's just my two cents. Not having experienced it firsthand, this is just from my accounts of of or secondhand accounts from all the people that I know that have been playing it at work, all the people that I know that have been playing it in my local area and trust me there's a ton of them because you know it's a yeah, hot see, fucking game i was going by a lot of what i've seen in game from a lot of the other players because i inspect like a motherfucker i'm looking at <laughs> what is everybody doing what's working what tends to be like a a recurring theme which would indicate that well maybe that's broken and it's working a little too well kind of thing and so i i inspect a lot of those and i i see a ton of speeders a lot of different kinds many of which come from those bright engrams that you get from everybody so so i'm going by that and as well like the clan that i was in for a while looking at all the different ones that they had so so again it's we'll see and and definitely if it is a case where the majority of the people don't have what they would be needed for this to 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 be competitive then of course not then they have to do something but i don't know i have a feeling that if especially if it's not the sparrow races aren't introduced immediately like i mean if we just have to look at what's going on with the consoles right now and where we're at even if they're not ready which i'm I'm betting you they're not to introduce sparrow racing yet if they were to do it say after the dlc so you know maybe three months kind of deal fuck by then everybody like vince has been actually dismantling them well and and, and i'll keep my fingers crossed i yeah. mean time will tell obviously we don't know right off the bat so i mean i'm i'm obviously going to still play the game i mean well oh yeah Speaking of which, folks, if you are looking for a PC clan or PS4 clan, very, very chill. The Especially the PS4 is going to be damn near empty, except for me. The uh, the PC one, though, Joe is going to be running it. So if you are curious about that, if you want a, a home for your tunes or whatever, we're going to be playing a lot on PC. As much as I love playing on the PS4, that's, to me, going to be secondary to the PC one because I'm going to be playing not just with my son on PC, but also you guys. So, and Ali is going to be on, on PC as well. So 
if you are looking for a clan, either contact Joe at LoaderZJ on Twitter or myself at Zen Buddhist. So you can find it also if you just do a search for clans on Bungie at uh, Hounds of Lore. That's the PC one. And the PS4 one, because I needed to have an extra word in there, it won't accept the same thing, is Hounds of Wretched Lore. So it comes out as Howl, which was better anyway. <laughs> so anyway, so if you're looking for somewhere, definitely come and join us because we are going to be having a lot of fun. And I can see us doing not just Strikes and Nightfalls, but we're going to have enough people that we will be able to do the raids and have some fun with that too. And that's what I'm hoping for. And yeah. I- in order to get an approval for the invite, you have to tell me a joke about Roger. This is how this is going to have to go. <laughs> Fuck you. Where the hell did I come from? I'm, I'm being nice to you here, motherfucker. Okay, Marty, oh, okay. did you have you anything else? Name anyway, didn't you, Roger? Come on. It's a- <laughs> well, the only other things I think that are going to be coming next are we're going to see some tweaks to the next Iron Banner event. Um. There's still a lot to involve yourself if you're interested in the lore of the game, but really the bit next big thing is going to be the DLC. And the the only date that we have that's confirmed is that you can pre, you know you can start the download for your PC client um, very soon, if not tonight. Um, so I'm ex- I'm excited to see how they tweak the next couple of PvP events because now they've had like a couple challenges of the nine and Iron Banner, so they're going to, there'll be some balance patches in the near future. Oh, there definitely does. What's going to happen. Yeah, because you you could see a lot of the same things were excessively overpowered. And so once you figured that out, hey, works in your free for you kind of thing. Uh, But otherwise, holy fuck, it's annoying. So there are still some things that they can do to iron things up. Okay, let's move away from there now and talk about another game that, Again, I started playing with my son. Joe, you've been playing it. I'm assuming neither of you two have been playing it, though. But that's Maybe. Cuphead. Holy fuck, is this game ever amazing? <laughs> like, <laughs> I have been impressed by games and many games where it's like, wow, this is really cool. Or wow. And, and, I, and I allow myself to really, you know, get invested into the game and that, that energy. And you know what? There's so few things you can have fun with nowadays. Games can be that. So beforehand with the cuphead we talked about it often because i well we kind of grew up with those old reruns a lot and as like you know joe and i love the uh the music as well oh and God, how it was implemented music. so i was excited for this and then often when that happens though even if you let yourself just have fun with the game you're still going to be like eh, not quite as good as i thought it was going to be because you set that bar too high for yourself. And I was positive that was going to be the case for <laughs> Cuphead with me. Positive. There was no way in hell it could be as good as and what then. I thought it was going to be. And it was better. It's yeah. fucking better. The, the look of this game defies anything I have ever seen in a game. And then you have the sound that's thrown in that just perfectly matches it i like i'm not even talking content yet joe's gonna take over in a second (laughs) just in terms of visuals and audio the game is worth playing just for that just so that you could be like yeah i remember trying it out it was fucking amazing i can't get over how good it looks it's it it blows my mind the other thing that i find interesting about is i know people that don't 
like they've tried to play the game and they, they it's not quite what they want gameplay wise, but they're so in love with the music that they still buy the damn soundtrack anyway. Yeah. And like it, it's that good of a of a soundtrack. The other thing that I will say is we've been talking about this for years and anybody who says games aren't art fucking look at this game and tell me it's not art. The fact that all of this is hand drawn. I mean, digital inking and, and stuff like that aside too, because they have to digitize it obviously to make it a game, but it started in a traditional style, a traditional art form that was just like their source material, what they wanted it to be that, that and you see it comics. You, yeah. you definitely see it. Like anytime if I'm, I'm really hoping that, Devs will use this game as an example when they are talking to the the publishers or the marketing people and saying, listen, you want us just to bust our, our, our nuts and just do generic and put it out there as fast as we can or whatever. Or if given the chance to to apply our art like you said, mm-hmm. to this game and to really kind of use techniques that haven't been used for a while or to mess around, to experiment even, take the time to do all these things so that you can come up with something like this because this wasn't how it looked originally. They shifted and it's that shift that led it to this. Like, again, I hope that, that the, the, the devs will be able to go like, look it, we can do art in games we can do something that is so spectacularly beautiful and original that it'll be held up in regard for that and that of course will then generate sales as well moving forward it doesn't have to always be the same thing that we're seeing fuck can you tell how excited i am about how good this thing looks (laughs) well and that's and the good thing is too about it is it's not just a pretty game either it's a solid game it plays incredibly well. The controls are very, very tight, especially because it is, and this is not spoiling anything for you. It is a bullet hell boss rush type game. There are some platforming levels, but for the most part, it's you are learning patterns. You are figuring out how to dodge bullets. You are learning how to react in real quick time with what's going on around you. And if those controls sucked, you wouldn't be able to do it. So the controls are absolutely tight. The animation on what your character does is phenomenal. Like it is absolutely mind just blowing how beautiful it is as far as that goes. And different too, because you have the, the, the different um, like bonuses that you can buy, which I wish it was more coins dropping though, so that we could, kind of upgrade a little early on but i can see how they fuck a game as hard as this they, they're not going to hand you the the keys to, to the the castle just to make it easy for you so the uh the the all of the different items though when you upgrade it i love that like it looks like a monopoly card kind of thing and you flip it over oh, yeah. and you could choose between which one would work in certain circumstances which is super fucking handy but it's each of those abilities then adds a little flair to your animation that you're talking about when you're doing it, which just looks amazing. And the interactions on some of those things that you do too, with what the environment is, is just phenomenal as well. Like how the shots interact, how your dashes interact, yeah. how your supers interact. Uh, and, and the interesting thing too, and, and I'm, I'm going to give studio MDHR a huge fucking thumbs up from me on this one. 
I like playing games in different ways. I like looking at things that are maybe not quite the original way it was intended to play. I mean, fuck, I used to tank on my goddamn shaman and burning crusade because I fucking could. But like here, you would think that this game is only going to be about killing, 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 killing. Well, one of the other things that I found over this last week was a pacifist run. Now you still have to kill the bosses during the boss encounters, but the platforming, the running gun levels, you can actually complete without killing a single thing, including the ones that have bosses at the end of it. You can skip those bosses if you're smart enough. And here's where studio MDHR did a really great thing. <laughs> they figured a player was going to do this at some point. So they put fucking bonuses in the game. You get additional video style filters. They put additional filters in here to make the game black and white or give that sepia overtone from the old school cartoons, just like we were talking about from like the thirties and stuff like that. The, just absolutely mind blowing. Like, Oh yeah, you did something really insanely stupidly hard. Here you go. Here's a fucking cookie. And it's a good cookie too. Yes, because those fucking things are hard enough as is. <laughs> those running motherfucking things. For for anybody who hasn't played the game, what happens is that most of the activities that you do, because basically you're, you've got a, a map essentially that you're kind of running around on and, and it looks different in that when you're in that mode. And then you select a venue that is going to be a boss fight and you need to get their souls to you because you made a bargain with the devil. And so you, you can fight the boss on either a, an easy mode, which is not fucking easy <laughs> or a normal mode, which is not fucking normal. either. Okay. So I can't stress that enough. And that's not just me. My kid is like in his prime age for reflexes and shit right now and he's a good little gamer too and he was like going wow that was, that was hard this is really hard anyways and so you you do those but every now and again you'll hit one area that you can go into and it's that platformer but it's mm -hmm. a think of it like a, a mario very much like a super mario you're running across you're bouncing here and there you're shooting some shit as you're going along and and that's very very much what it is and then you get coins there's four isn't there yeah four four or five four uh it coins the level. Some yeah i have four some have five okay and uh they are fucking hard there's you <laughs> don't get to choose which mode you want you know it's just shitting on you from the moment you get in. And it's fucking brutal. Tristan and I have done them over and over and over again. And it got to the point where we decided, okay, because we tried just, let's just try running as fast as we can and go through. But that didn't last long. And then it was like, well, we will just literally inch our way across this, you know, Fucking like Seal Team 6 coming up on a beach real fucking slow. <laughs> and that's the fur the way we got through it the furthest kind of deal. Because we still, there's one of them we still haven't been able to finish. So the concept of going through without doing anything, anybody who can do that, they deserve a lot more of a prize for that. Fuck, give them an extra like couple of lives. That's amazing. And it's and the other thing that I want to say too about the game is we a lot of people have been talking about how difficult it is, and I'm not going to tell you it's not difficult. It is. I would call die. you a liar if you tried. <laughs> but they do a really good job of balancing that difficulty with the sense of accomplishment and reward. 
Like when you defeat a boss, when you beat a level, when you figure out what's going on, it, it is insanely satisfying. Like it, I'll, I'll go you one further. Um, a lot of games, and you mentioned this at the start, a lot of games when you're doing the boss fight, yeah, there's mechanics that you need to learn the fight in order to get through, but there's still kind of some, some wiggle room here and there. There is no fucking wiggle room here. <laughs> you're going to learn what you need to do because the last time they flattened you like a pancake. So you're going to learn, and the next time you'll do it right. The thing is, is that between just how scripted it is in order to to learn you the fight and the fact that each fight thus far I've done as maddening as it is is still so much fun that grandpa here is like I'll go one more time okay yeah no I can do it one more time I think we know I we we fucked up there I know what we did wrong I'm ready so and I would do it over and over and over again like I did get to the point eventually where it's like okay, we need to play another game now. But that took surprisingly long, and I was willing to beat my head against a wall a lot in order to get, like you're saying, that satisfaction when you do complete it. And it is. the sat- Fuck, the satisfaction on easy, which once again is not easy, <laughs> is fantastic. When you finally score that soul by doing it on normal, which again is not fucking normal, you are ecstatic like it is fist pumping in the air fun time no exaggeration oh yeah and it's one of those things where like when i was first started playing the game and i I forgot which boss it was that was just kicking my ass three ways to sunday and it took me a while to figure out like how to get past it the amount of like holy fuck yes finally that i screamed at my lungs renee was asleep (laughs) (laughs) she 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 thought something was wrong, <laughs> and so now when she walks by, she's she's like, "Are you gonna yell? Are you gonna? I see you're playing Cuphead. Are you gonna, are you gonna yell?" I'm like, "Yeah, probably." But it, it it's really uncontrollable. Is, it's uncontrollable. But it's it's so fantastic. Like, and I I gotta say this: we we are supremely blessed and spoiled, whatever you want to call it, for games like this that are coming out right now at a very reasonable price point. So oh God, yeah. For the amount of content and the art that we're getting, like. This is what thirty dollars USD, I think is. I didn't even think it was that much. Oh, it might think, be. Well, it's tw- I'm sorry, it's twenty thirty with the soundtrack. Right. Uh, so thirty dollars USD because you want that soundtrack if you're going to buy it. Uh, but it's like you get so much content from it; it's absolutely insane. But at that price point, pick up this game, try it. Like it, it's it's surprising how good this damn thing is. I, I and like you said, I had high expectations to begin with from it especially after seven years in development and then to play it and have all of my expectations surpassed. Holy shit. Just the other thing that's important to note, and we can, we can close off on that unless you had something else. Nope. That's it. Is the sheer originality of every single thing you do in this game. Now, the well, you know, there's there's standards like you a shop to buy shit and levels and whatnot. But what I'm talking about is the content, what you're do, what you you're doing, the people you're interacting with, the bosses, everything. You are constantly sitting there thinking, 
I want some of whatever they were smoking when they came up with this level or this boss. Because, you, I mean, you're starting off as a cuphead, you know? So right then and there, you're thinking, okay, a little quirky, fun. And the mechanics, you drink when you, from your you own drink, you think, yeah, I know, God, it's hysterical. <laughs> but uh, it, you get in, and then you've got immediately these little things that you're doing that are. You're dealing with such interesting, unique characters. And then you get to some when you get to the actual bosses and you're like, holy fucking hell. Like it's because in a lot of shots you see like that woodpecker going down. That's not a big deal. It's a woodpecker. It's it's interesting, but you're not going to wig out. And a few of the other ones you're like, okay, this is pretty standard fare. You got some shit that comes up at points that are like out of left field. You're going, what the hell is, what's going on here? And it's glorious. And then you go to the carnival. And that carnival is, I would spend weeks in that carnival if it was real. There's some weird ass shit in there when you're looking at everything. And the fight against the clown there. And they're not only original, but they're clever in those fights as well. So when you're fighting the clown, you're getting attacked by dogs. But if you if you have a moment to look in between the bouncing around like a mad fool, they're balloon dogs that the clown is making to send down at you. Like little things like that sprinkle throughout when added to this absolutely unbelievable art style. Watching a video of it does not do it justice. You have to be in it and have that tactile motion of you controlling where your character goes to just appreciate just how much there is to it. Oh, but if you're going to watch somebody play it, be physically there so you can watch their frustration. Oh, I yeah. have to imagine that, would, that would increase the appreciation. Okay, let's move on to Guild Wars briefly, because, Joe, you have been back in with a vengeance, and uh, just wanted to get your quick thoughts on what you're feeling right now being back in, and also on that secret mount. I am really surprised that I stopped playing this game at any point in time. Yeah. I am so happy that I came back. Well, yeah, it. but you say that, but dude, they've changed a lot and it's gotten a lot better over the years too. So it makes sense at the time that, you know, you were playing other games too, but now going back, you can also appreciate just how much has been done to improve it over the years too. Oh, absolutely. But I mean, we're, we're talking about a game that has like fantastic art style and I, and I do feel that Guild Wars 2 is one of those games too. Maybe not the same level as like cuphead or some of the others at least as far as like grand schemes go but like it, it is a very very interesting palette th- that they use it is yeah. very interesting our style and what i've been doing is i've been going back and playing the original story i'm playing through all of the story for all three expansions like i i bought all the expansions and said fuck it it's time to play and i was really th- like thrown back by how good of a job they do making you feel like you accomplished something in those personal story. Oh, God, yeah. And like, these are things that like in wow, you'd need a raid to do, but you don't need a raid because you're commanding a fucking army and you have an army with you. You have, you have important NPCs with you. And then all those times where, you know, Oh, I got attached to that NPC. Well, you like that NPC fucking gone. Like it, these moments of just like super high and super low is like, they did a great job with that, that those stories, and I think it's uh, fantastic. I like that a lot of the um, the cinematics that you're in aren't really cinematics. It's that Guild Wars 2 style of you interacting with whatever NPC you're talking to or whatever. But 
when you follow the story along, like you're doing, go, doing the seasonal journey thing, and you talk to not just those cinematics, but also different NPCs and, and whatever throughout that, for lack of a better term, a campaign kind of thing, you get to see the consequences of NPCs that you were supposed to either look up to to guide you or things like that, the consequences of their actions, which is not always, in fact, probably more often than not, there's negative consequences to their actions that you get to see that ripple for quite a long time. And it's profound in how it impacts your gameplay moving forward, your story moving forward as well. They, they handled that so deftly. Well, one of the interesting things about it, and it's funny you should you should mention that, is it plays to me almost like a Robert E. Howard story, like Conan style. Like you have this high adventure, you have these things that are are absolutely brilliant and high fantasy, but every time you do something to upset that balance, something else happens. And so there's this constant struggle that is rooted in your own actions. And, and some games do that really, really well, and some fall short, but it just it, as I'm playing through and, and might have something to do with the fact that I'm playing uh, a, a Norn and I'm playing a um, oh why can't I think of the name of them the the Summoners of the Mist um, shit oh you're doing a Guardian weren't you oh no you were doing the uh, the new one oh god damn it no I can't the Revenant Revenant exactly, yes yeah. uh, and which I absolutely love because of the stance dancing and everything that you can do with it I think it's I personally love the the, the class but it, it's this interesting thing where it's like I'm a warrior rogue wizard. I'm fucking Conan the Barbarian here. And just the whole thing of how that story plays out, everything, it's just fantastic. And it, I, I'm just, I'm surprisingly impressed. And you're right, I've been spending a ton of time in there. And then they go and do stuff like adding a secret mount. <laughs> and, and it's not just any mount, something that people have been begging and pleading for since the game started. I want a flying mount. I want a flying mount. I want a flying mount. They're like, okay, we're going to put a flying mount in. We're not fucking telling you about it, though. You're going to figure that shit out on your own. And they did. So and you have to it's complete- gorgeous. Oh, it's absolutely, oh my God. absolutely gorgeous. The animations are phenomenal for it. It's it's a, one st- of the most beautiful griffins I've seen. I've stood and just watched it in-game, not in my own, because I don't have the fucking thing, but when somebody would land and be like, oh, my God. It's glorious, <laughs> like amazing. <laughs> and the fact that they were able to keep that under wraps till it was discovered in game mm-hmm. is astounding to me. And it's so cool how it unravels, too. It, it's you have to complete the Path of Fire storyline. So you have to complete the essentially the, the, the expansion, for lack of a better term. Um, and then you start to find items out in the wild, uh, strange pellets of bone and fur, strange droppings, strange feathers. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so eventually you go to a Beastmaster and you're like, what the hell is this? And he goes, you know, I've heard about these types of things. They're really dangerous. But if you're looking for them, you can go talk to this person. And so you go on this whole journey to discover what's been leaving essentially droppings behind while hunting. And it's and I'm totally speeding through this. It's a lot more in depth than this, folks. Just just trust me on this. But at the end of it, you basically find a Griffin aviary where they're breeding griffins and you're like oh well this is something that i didn't expect and they're like would you like one well yes yes i would great fine uh, buy these 10 items these are rune stones you're going to need once you have them 
Yeah, we'll give you one. It's okay, because now you can control them. Now, the cool thing is, it's not just a flying mount either. Like, you just can't fly like in WoW. It it glides. It it acts almost like the fucking Super Mario cape from Super Mario World. So you actually have to spend effort to fly to places. And I thought that was really cool because it's a deliberate choice. Like, traveling in Guild Wars is how you level. Like, when you're going from your story point to your story point, you don't get any other quests in between. You just choose what to interact with in the world. And so exploring those areas is a big part of that Guild Wars experience. It's a big part of your your viewership of the world, so to speak. And so when they looked at the Griffin, they were like, yeah, we want this thing to be cool. We want to kind of give you flying, but not like make it super easy where you're just hovering wherever you want to go. Uh, oh, and it walks really cool on the ground because if it doesn't yes. look good on the ground, fuck you. But like, I, I love that. I absolutely love that because... Yeah, flying is cool in games, but it can be a bit boring. It's just a thing you get to make your life easier. Here, it's it's an integral part of the experience. And even after you get it, you still have to interact with the world, essentially choosing where to lift off from, where to where to glide from, how to, you know, manipulate sort of the mount in order to get it to do what you want it to do, because it's still a wild fucking animal. And that's super fucking cool. Like. I, I, I'm happy. I'm super happy. They've done a phenomenal job with mounts. Just so fucking impressed with what they've done. So, yeah. And the idea now is, okay, well, what next? Because there's going to be a what next at some point where they'll toss in something else. So as fucking incredible as these are, like, I'm thinking, wow, what else are they going to, like, what are we going to get out of this? So, yeah, very exciting. Okay, let's move on from there now. We're going to touch on some superhero stuff because we got a new trailer at the New York uh, Comic Con just recently for the Lego Marvel Superheroes 2. Fuck, it looks awesome. It's like they're throwing... We can have Marvel? Let's just fucking put as much shit as we can in there and get everybody <laughs> in. Uh, last I read, the game is rumored to have over 300 playable characters. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> And it's actually brilliant, like how they're doing it, because I we've all played at least one of the Lego games, I'm assuming. Oh, yep. A lot more than one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Looks one my I, Steam list sees all 40 <laughs> of them. Yeah, I played like some of the Star Wars ones, but the one I actually played the most was the first Lego Marvel superheroes on PS3. I played it on. And this is the fall. They did a, an, an Avengers one uh, a couple years ago, but this is the first one that's that was more like movie verse based where this is the first one. That's just kind of like whole hog into the Marvel universe that they still have the rights to in video games, at least. So sorry guys, no X-Men, no fantastic four uh, rights issues because ugh, complicated. Anyway, what they're doing in this trailer, which I love that it looks like Cosmo is yes. gonna be kind of the <laughs> Nick Fury character here <laughs> of the one like running everything because as we all know, Cosmo is the goodest dog. <laughs> the main villain in this game is one Kang the Conqueror. Now Kang is one of those characters that's been around since God the 60s. And I have a love-hate relationship with him because it's usually a pretty big deal when he shows up in the comics, but at the same time, you're going to pull your hair out because it's a fucking time travel story and those things never make sense, at least not the way that they intend to. But what we get with that here in the game is we've got characters from 
the breadth of Marvel's history all being able to come into this game. Like there's multiple Captains America and Iron Men, Thors, both male, female, non-human and amphibian, if you know what I mean. Oh, I was just about to say, Rog Thor? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) And like stuff from like the old like even pre-marvel days like what was the one character that they had named in here um sorry i gotta check my notes arizona annie from when they used to publish western comics oh, shit. <laughs> oh my god okay <laughs> that is a like, deep cut right there for yeah me. <laughs> like the, the 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 phantom rider the old western character that was a precursor to what we know now today is the ghost rider it, it roger we've got both spider gwen i know what Gwenpool. I know. I mean, characters like, you know, Silk, Lady Spider from the Spider-Verse is in here. Like, I'm sold. You you can stop. So many different 2099 characters, alternate futures. uh, The Maestro is in this. And there's even like some movie versions of the characters in here as well. So like anything that you love about Marvel Comics is represented in here somewhere. And it's just going to be a big pile of incredible fun like of course the lego games never take themselves seriously but you look at it's like oh this is big bass but when you actually play through the games a the gameplay is always on point like they are very well designed games with a lot of replay value need to go back through the levels if you want to collect all the stuff and of course you want to collect all the stuff you got to get that ms marvel character and so it's and it's they're so charming and all the side activities are very interesting and the main stories themselves actually do become pretty compelling after a point. Like we've got Kang the Conqueror as the main villain, but there's some, I don't know if they're infinity stones or just like powerful crystal things that we see various villains getting a hold of. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Namor's nemesis. I forget his name, but uh, Ronan the Accuser, you know, had some like, so th- this is just going to be, absolute insanity in the best ways and it's going to be fan service from beginning to end and personally i can't wait this this game has moved up considerably oh, on yeah. my uh radar in the past couple weeks was it mantis hmm was no. it no <clears throat> no it's oh, got a tillin god damn um, yeah ottoman yeah. Uh, uh, yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah that one yeah yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I saw this and I didn't realize the breadth of what it was they were doing. Because, again, we play them a lot. That's always been a game that we love playing together, my son and I. Well, I've done it with all the kids. And so, like, we keep up with them. But some of them just, eh, not as good. Put it that way. Not bad, mm-hmm. but don't stand out like some of the others kind of deal. And this was just, like, the more I kept seeing of what they're doing and the concept of we're going to give you a little bit of everything is what's going to keep me playing the game as well. Because it's not like I'm going to get bored with it because I'm always going to be thinking, what's the next one going to be? Where are they taking me next? Which story arc or whatever am I going to be doing? And that to me is what's going to sell me on this. So, and the fact that I can sit down with my son and play and just kind of, you know, fuck, whether it's a half hour or two hours, you're going to have fun the entire time and laugh and and interact with each other as well. Because as fun as they are to play solo, 
they're they're made for having that co-op kind of feel to it because you're laughing as at what's happening together and it's kind of like that movie experience of you enjoy the comedies a lot more if you're all laughing together is it a couch co-op or is it a online co-op only I have uh, never done online co-op in a, a Lego game. It's always been. I'm sure couch. it's online now, but typically the Lego games have supported couch co-op. Yeah. Sweet. This is just going to be another gateway to making sure that my niece and nephews grow up to be proper nerds. They Oh, they're great for kids. I, I've played Lego games with all the kids growing up and of course they recognize it. So they've, you got that going for it and then they're just plain fun. And there's, it's, it's again, it's the, there's something about playing a game with your kids or in your case, your, your niece and nephew, um, where they're looking to you to see how you're reacting to a game to inform them as to how they should feel about it as well. And to see an adult that's laughing and having fun at something that they recognize because they play with it is ultimate cool for them. And I've seen it happen. It's it's fun. That's absolutely perfect. I may not get the Avengers game that I want, but uh, I will now be buying this, not just for this show, but for my other show. So that's great. That's perfect. It's like built for me. I can promise like Marty, like knowing you, you're going to be, you won't be disappointed. There are some, there are some oh, serious fun, yeah. deep cuts <laughs> yes. going on here. <laughs> oh, but man. that's some of what I love too, because you're, if you're someone who has read enough comics and I've read a number of them for the podcast, so I kind of have some knowledge of it. Not certainly not everything, but if you're picking up at some of the comments that are specifically meant for you, not for the kids, it's awesome. It's just that irreverent attitude about their source material that you got to really love. Although after seeing this now, I need like an actual Lego version of Lockjaw. <laughs> oh my God. I need a Lego version of Lockjaw. <laughs> Fuck that. Gwenpool forever. Okay, let's move on. Marty, you actually wanted to talk about the tablet puzzle quest one through Marvel and yeah. like how far into it are you? So with Marvel Puzzle Quest, I've been playing for about uh a year. Wow. Like I finally broke down and bought it. Uh, not bought it, but like I've actually paid money for it. It's a free, it's a freemium free-to-play kind of thing. But it's it's uh what's interesting about Puzzle Quest is that uh Al Ewing, who is one of the writers over at Marvel, uh he was in charge of like the tie-in properties to some degree. Um, but it's all based on like in you know finding this rare crystal iso 8 and you know it riffs on the um spider-verse story but uh and the dark avengers story norman osborne and his hammer troops and you're you know leading your team of superheroes to do x y and z it is the best time waster game i have it's the most you know it's the only other game that i do anything else with on my phone is like pokemon go as my step counter but that's a totally different story uh, what i love about puzzle quest is that you get uh, especially when they get the characters right and their powers right uh to the point where you have a like the perfect team up squad like if you got luke cage and iron fist you're you're pretty freaking golden and then you can throw in others who complement it it's it's a phenomenal game that they keep just uh building the success on uh in the sense that 
every once in a while, like you're getting bored with it and then they add a new tier of, of superheroes or they add a new uh, event style or they have a movie tie in where they make Mordo super cool. So I'm absolutely loving this little little mobile game. It's it's probably uh, I have spent way too much time on it and like, you know, like playing it till two in the morning when I really should be asleep. But uh, it's it's just just such a fun expression of like the puzzle game with comics that I love. The only thing is that some of the dialogue is really, really bad, but who cares? Like you get to, you know, you get to have a little team up of whatever Wolverine you want. Plus Magneto plus, I don't know, Bucky. Cause why not? So it's, it's a fun little diversion type game. I actually have been playing it as well, albeit not as much, but I have actually, that's why when you mentioned it, I knew exactly what you were talking about. Because again, it's those like you're talking about, the, the, the time wasters, whatever. And I tend to do it on my iPad if I'm sitting down and we're just watching TV, my wife and I will just take that mm-hmm. out. And she does the same thing now too. And uh, and so that's why I play Marvel Sum Sum as much as I do. But the, the, the problem that I have with Mar- Marvel Puzzle Quest, because I love the puzzle quest mechanic when we saw it in puzzle quest originally. And then they, they worked it into some other games. Fuck. We talked about that stupid anime bullshit one at that point that was so (laughs) fucking well designed, but wrapped around this stupid shell. Uh, So I love those kind of games. Case in point right now, I've been playing the shit out of uh, Vince. You like this is the Kubo game. I don't know if you've tried. It is fucking amazing. If you haven't tried it, try it. It's great. And it it's original in how it does the matching three, because that's what you want to do with some kind of little cinematics and story elements tossed in. But it's just it's just a great game. So I should love Marvel Puzzle Quest a lot more than I do. Sadly, the problem that I have with it is just the fucking, the presentation and the gameplay and the UI and moving around and shit and things like that and looking at everything. It's just a fucking mess to look at and to, and to interact with. And that's the only thing that keeps me from playing it. Yeah, I, I can totally see that point. There's some, the way you go through to pick your boosts or to like pick your, your special team up that if you get the team up tiles that you get to activate that's a pain in the butt and then the it never remembers and or automatically selects like one of the uh uh different decks that you can draw from yeah that's totally understandable um what i do like is that when their network goes down they give you stuff as an apology (laughs) like i appreciate that i the way that i look at this is We've been seeing this kind of evolution of the puzzle quest mechanic in different games and whatnot. And we're not for some stellar games among those. I would think, well, we're, we're building towards learning what works and, and what doesn't. The problem is, is that I can look at so many others that have done it better including the original Puzzle Quest, in my opinion. So it's not moving in the right direction. I'm hoping Marvel is is working on something that is better designed because the idea of a Puzzle Quest mechanic used with, with you know, um, storylines from the comics, oh, man, I'm all over that. I would love that to be done properly. Yeah. I remember picking up the game, God, at this point, probably four years ago. I, I think it was still new at the time. Like I played it for 
a few weeks, like, you know, pretty regularly. And then it's like, I, I remember I hit a wall and I was like, this, it wasn't fun for me anymore. It was like, I was just grinding like the same missions over and over again because my team wasn't strong enough to like actually do the next story chapter. And like, I, I, I'm assuming, I'm hoping at least they've refined it since, but I, I remember from several years ago, it did not hold my attention. Yeah, it's gotten refined and there's newer, better ways to get your characters. Um, I haven't hit a wall. The only wall I hit is like, um, like the high end, you know, uh, stuff wherein you got to, well, you have to have a ton of resources to level it up. And I'm, that is just not, I'm not spending a ton of money on a game like this. It's just perfect for, I'm sitting there drinking my cup of coffee, thinking about what I got to do today. And then, you know, playing a Deadpool mission. So yeah, for that. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. Okay. Moving on from there. When I saw the news about Griffline, I thought immediately about you, Vince, because we've talked about clay games often on the podcast over the years. And when I saw this, I thought, holy fuck, this fucking looks incredible. And I was really curious to hear what you'd have to say about it. Yeah. I remember Griftlands was in our show notes way back. I probably like when this, uh, when their trailer first premiered, but I think it was one of those things that we just didn't have, quite have the time to get around to. Cause I remember like reading up on it and yeah, we've talked a lot about clay games here on the podcast because they are a phenomenal studio. Like they, they definitely have like a house style with like this cool, like 2d hand-drawn look to all their games, but they're a studio that continues to challenge themselves like they they burst onto the scene at least for me with shank which was like a 2d action platformer like oh god i love shank there. yeah Shank's so good then they moved on to mark of the ninja which was a stealth game which was phenomenal they also put out don't starve which became a huge hit and runaway like the, hit runaway like hit minecraft survival style genre shank and two. then uh oxygen not included which is like a base building sims sort of game which is in space awesome. in yeah. space <laughs> and now they've went okay we've done all that what's next uh how about an open world turn-based rpg <laughs> why okay, the fuck why not, not? <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we have here in griftlands which is a game around smugglers pirates bounty hunters you know, the ones on the fringes of society that are always the fun characters to play in games where essentially like when it was first announced, like, there was very little information behind it beyond like, yeah, you, you play like these group of scrounge roles and whatnot. But now that they've started talking more about it with it being this big open world sandbox style game where there's a couple of party members and enemies that are, you know, in the game, written, scripted and all that. And literally everything else is procedurally generated. So like you're going to have your, your typical like, you know, group uh, of party members that you go through with. And it like, I look at this and I'm just thinking, man, the replay value you have here, because every time you play through this game, it's probably going to be different, not just in so far as the decisions you make, but just the options that are available to you. And, you know, what NPCs do you run into? And it's like they're building on this like decision based sandbox mechanic of everything you do. People are going to remember like you're going to have a reputation. And, you know, if you do kill these members of the gang, then, you know, the the other members are going to keep coming after you because they say, yeah, combat is definitely a thing in this game. But it's not necessarily to the death. Uh, A big part of this game is in talking your way around situations and negotiating and 
you know, of course, stacking the deck to be in your favor and, you know, getting uh, more favorable deals for yourself where, you know, if, if you show the opponents that, you know, you have overwhelming force, you can get them to surrender and, you know, maybe cough up some cash and whatnot, because it's a game not necessarily built around beating the boss, have you, or, you know, there, there's not some big epic galaxy saving storyline. It's no, here's your group of assholes go out into the world, make some money and retire. And like, I, I'm just fascinated with the amount of options this gives them. And given the studio's track record, I have no reason to believe that they're not going to pull it off. That's the thing. Like if I was reading all of these things, these, these plans for what the game's going to be from somebody else, I'd be like, yeah, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it kind of thing you know maybe you'll pull it off but these guys here it's like holy fuck i can't wait to play this game because i know you can pull this shit off no problem and it's it's a vince game <laughs> here's a bunch of horrible people you get to play as i'm in yeah definitely <laughs> All right, we are going to wrap it up for tonight. Just ever so briefly, there was a new trailer also, if you're interested, for Need for Speed, the payback game that's going to be coming out. Not going to go into it very much, just to say we were right when we said it's basically Fast and the Furious, and I am so fucking all right with that that it's actually moved up on my list of games that, yeah, no, this is definitely one I'm going to be looking out for to pick up earlier. So, yeah, it looked awesome. So at this point, they just need to get the license, right? Yeah, really. <laughs> because theirs didn't do so well in film. Oh. And the Fast and the Furious video game was somehow worse than the Need for Speed movie was. Yeah. So we have got a great feature ahead from Marty. We talked about it already, and it is going to be fantastic. Make sure to stick around for that. Make sure to check out the show notes at ForTheLore.com, and you can find us on Twitter at ForTheLore. Individually, Joe is Lord at J. Vince is Samodian. Marty is Officer Gleason, and I am Zen Buddhist. Leave us your thoughts on iTunes and Stitcher, and with that, we will see you guys next week. All right, class, settle down. Seriously, settle down. Settle. Just settle down? Okay. My name is Pogue 3. I am your substitute instructor. Um, your typical instructor, Unit ZJ, is going to be out for a while. Uh, the school has asked me uh, to say if you have donations of Glimmer, make sure you've cleared it with your parents. And if you want to send them a goodwill card, there's... A spot over there, I guess, on his desk. Just leave it there, and I'll, I'll get it to him eventually. Uh, as your substitute teacher, I'm going to be working off of the syllabus that ZJ created. Uh, it's not that bad a syllabus. Um, there's one or two additions that I've made. So, uh, for today's class, uh, we're talking about humanity in the city age. I'm going to run down what we're going to talk about, and of course, if there's something you want to talk about. Let me know, and I will add it to the syllabus because that's interactive, and that's what this school is all about. First, let's talk about some of your source material. We've got the Ishtar Collective, uh, painstakingly recreated from the Golden Age research facility that was at the forefront of Vex Research. The Destiny, Co uh, the Destiny Ghost Stories podcast is also phenomenal. Uh, I also recommend the Destiny One Grimoire. 
and the feed of My Name is Bife. These are all great sources, sometimes contradictory, but I want to make it clear that's the nature of our subject. Uh, humanity in the city age is an idea that we are currently experiencing, and uh, any good historian or archaeologist will tell you that uh, the evidence that we have is not clear and perfect. Um, that's just due to human nature. A couple other things. Uh, this class is not a golden age politics course. So while we will talk about the consensus and the vanguard, and we'll talk about the future war cult, Dead Orbit, and New Monarchy, we're not taking sides, and we're not going to be talking about faction rallies. We're not going to be talking about, you know, what happens one day if there's a Lakshmi 3? That's a pretty racy question that we don't need to answer. And the reason for that is very simple. Uh, we are not here to talk politics. We're talking about a very broad generalization of what it is to be human in this age, especially after the fall of the Red Legion and nearly the very extinction of our species, which is a wonderful and bright, cheery topic that you all have to deal with. This is also not a lesson in how to kill your enemies. Uh, I don't care if you think that the Twisted Spire is a better pulse rifle than, say, a Mida. Uh, you're wrong. Also, uh, we're here about knowledge. Knowledge is more powerful than any scout rifle or any sword or even a graviton lance. Knowledge is what's going to win your fight when you're old enough to actively carry some of those weapons. So what we are going to talk about, class, is our relationship to the Traveler. Our relationship to Earth as it has gone from pre-Golden Age to Golden Age to Dark Age to City Age. We're also going to talk about how these enemies that we deal with on a daily basis play with us. We're going to start with the Cabal. Normally they're later in the year, but uh, given recent events, I'm moving them up a little bit. You should know about the Cabal. We also have the Hive, the Vex, the Taken, the Fallen, uh, what is the Darkness, and we're also going to talk about some human enemies. We're going to talk about the Concordat, and we're going to talk about the Binary and Trinary Star Cults. The reason why we're going to go in this order is very simple. These are the things you're going to encounter in the real world one day. These are the things that you encountered when you evacuated. So now you should learn about them in a significantly more rigorous and intellectual fashion. You're all young adults, you're all young people, and we're going to make this as fun and as painless as possible. Lastly, if you have questions about me, I will answer them. I'm not, you know, a permanent fixture here in this, uh, in this academy. I am just a substitute. I'm an archaeologist by training and by trade and by profession and by all means, that's what I want to be doing. But I owed ZJ, so here I am. And I am here with you. And you are here with me. So if there are no other questions, I'm going to let you get dismissed to read some of these feeds for some private reading time, which is teacher speak for put your heads down. I don't want to look at you right now. And, uh... You know, you can ask me questions if you really want. That's fine, too. And, uh, we'll talk soon. Professor Pogue, uh, can I go to the bathroom, please? <laughs> Class dismissed.
Arrowheads is a quirky little local or online multiplayer archery game. Yes, archery game. In an age of ridiculously muscled bros with laser pew pew guns and scantily clad female snipers, there's something to be said for a game that does not take itself seriously. You know, like one that lets you play as a bird with a bow whose ultimates include missiles and bear traps. <laughs> the game was created by students out of Oakville, Ontario for the Level Up Showcase in Toronto. They formed Oddbird Studio with the intention of creating, quote, games that are not only fun to play, but that push our design capabilities, end quote. You gotta respect a bunch of creative young designers choosing whimsy over ultra-realism or trying to copy what's already popular right now. I will say that it took me a bit to get into the rhythm of this game, I'm used to twin-stick shooters, and this being a top-down isometric game skirts the line between shooter and ARPG in terms of appearance and movement, and to a lesser degree controls. One stick controls your character's movement, while the other controls the arc of your drawn arrow. You then fire with your trigger. It's not complicated, though, because I so rarely play games with this type of control scheme, it took me a few matches to, as the kids are wont to say these days, get good. And yes, now that an old grandpa has said that, no one should ever say it again. The controls actually remind me very much of Super Stardust, and I freaking loved that game. Arrowheads is a fun, silly game that had me playing for quite a while. The stages are very similar in terms of what to expect from the layout, though themed differently, which makes them fun. You aren't going to be hiding or sniping in this game. The maps remain on your screen in their entirety during the match, so everyone sees everyone else, and the fun becomes anticipating your opponent's moves while slowly progressing towards your own goals. The game often gets frantic, and therein lies a lot of the laughs. The power-ups add a bit of fun to the game and can easily tip the scales in your favor, as with many co-op shooters. When you decide to use a power-up, a bar appears at the bottom of your screen and randomly selects one of five options. And while this kind of lack of control would infuriate me with a class in a more traditional shooter in Arrowheads, it's absolutely perfect. You aren't supposed to be fairly certain that you'll win when selecting a power-up, though you will be certain that you'll chuckle when a missile sends a bear flying. While I can't recommend the game to any serious and or competitive shooter fans, I would definitely tell everyone else to check it out for a fun diversion, whether with friends or in solo mode. And you know what? I will say even for those super serious folks, if you're looking for a fun, silly game to offset your Destiny 2 or Overwatch, Call of Duty or Battlefront 2 now, check out Arrowheads. It is a lot of fun. You can find it on Steam right now. Thanks for listening to For the Lore. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince, a movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as Lore Watch, a Blizzard lore podcast co-starring Joe. And if you're into comic books, check out All Comics Considered with Marty and his crew. Lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. You can find him at ManelliJamal.com as well as on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.